Hello, folks. This is Skip Coriel, your host of the Home Defense Show. Welcome to episode 20 of the Home Defense Show. I had a great week. We'll have an even better week next week. I got my taxes done. That's good to know. I'm, I love having that out of the way. I hate my taxes. But, hey, it's something that we have to do or go to jail, so I do it. What have I been doing? Man, I tell you, I have been at war. I think I mentioned last week about my possum problem. That's good alliteration. I have been uh, trying to get rid of all these possums. I mean, they're, I don't know. There must be 5,000 possums out there, and they're all converging on my location. That reminds me of one of my favorite movies, Caddyshack. Remember Bill Murray, the greenskeeper? You gotta love that guy. Any greenskeeper with plastic explosives is okay in my book. But where in the world do you get plastic explosives? Uh, hello, Mr. Gopher. Yeah, it's me, Mr. Squirrel. Yeah, hi. Uh, just a harmless squirrel, not a plastic explosive or anything. Nothing to be worried about. I got rid of some of them last week. And, boy, sure enough, there's more. So, I'm still working on that. I don't have napalm. I don't have claymore mines. I don't have C4. All of that stuff is highly controlled. I don't have white phosphorus. I don't even have sarin gas. I got nothing, man. All I got are firearms and gopher gas. I got rid of a few more that way just last night. Hey, you do what you got to do. You got to protect the herd from predators. The herd being chickens, the predators being possums. Giant, mutant, ninja, junky possums. That's what I have. These suckers are huge. I don't dare leave my house without a firearm. Well, we got a great show for you today. Later on, we're going to have the president of the Second Amendment March. If you want to go, if you want more information about that, go to SecondAmendmentMarch.com, all spelled out, and you'll find it. But for right now, let's go ahead and take a look at the news. There's a lot of interesting news going on right now. Interesting but crazy things going on in our world. Let's see what we got. Uh, We'll start out at Drudge, and then we'll just go where we got to go to get some good, interesting, relevant news. Oh, (laughs) my gosh, here's something. Man bites off dog's head. You know, I'm not sure I've ever said that sentence before. Puerto Rico man bit off head of girlfriend's dog. This is at DrudgeReport.com. San Juan, Puerto Rico. March 28, a man in Puerto Rico has been sentenced to seven years in prison for biting the head off a chihuahua and punching his girlfriend. Well, at least he's got his priorities straightened out. Thank God he didn't bite the head off the girlfriend and punch a chihuahua. It could have been worse, folks. could have been a lot worse. Authorities said Tuesday that a judge also ordered Luis Arroyo to pay a $3,000 fine in the case that included domestic abuse and mistreatment of an animal. Arroyo pleaded guilty to assaulting his girlfriend who owned the dog. Wow. Crazy world, and they wonder why I carry a gun. What else do we have here? Python swallows man. 
Let's see what that's all about. Body of man swallowed whole by monster seven-meter-long python is cut from its stomach by horrified villagers. Gosh, I hope this wasn't in my hometown. (laughs) Oh, and there's a video. Oh, my gosh, they recorded the whole thing, cutting this man out. Oh, gosh. Now, that is one ugly picture. Man, that poor guy. Friends of Akbar Salubiro found him in the belly of the beast after slicing it open with an 18-inch hunting knife. 18 inches is not a hunting knife. That's a machete. All right. When he didn't return home, concerned friends and relatives began looking for him the next evening. They found the stodged python sprawled out in Akbar's own back garden on Monday night at 10 p.m. and feared he had been suffocated and swallowed. No kidding. Locals gathered round, <laughs> so they made entertainment out of this, and they filmed it. This was, this was in Indonesia, by the way. Man, what people do for entertainment in the third world. Uh, they used an 18-inch long hunting knife to slice open the serpent and found Akbar inside still intact. That is... Oh my gosh, he's still fully clothed, wearing his boots. Incredible footage shows the corpse being slowly removed from the killer reptile as the leathery skin is peeled away. wonder how PETA feels about this. Initially, Akbar set out from his home to go to harvest palm. After not returning to his home, people looked for him. Oh, my. And, folks, this is why I carry a gun. You never know what's going to happen. You don't know what's out there. Those possums... They could be the result of nuclear radiation. They're growing even as we speak. I'm starting to wonder if a 9mm is big enough. We'll have to see. Stay tuned. What else do we have here? Uh, here's some, oh, let's, let's go to BearingArms.com. This is titled, This Isn't Self-Defense. And they got a video here. A Philadelphia laundromat owner with no understanding of self-defense laws is out $2,000 in cash and is likely looking at jail time and expensive lawsuits after a botched robbery turned into a chase and shooting. Laundromat owner armed with a gun shot a robber as well as a bystander. (laughs) That's never good public relations. Yes, come to my laundromat. Clean your clothes, then I shoot you. In Philadelphia, Sunday afternoon, according to police. Investigators say the ordeal began at 4.19 p.m. when a 42-year-old man armed with a knife entered a laundromat on the 2800 block of North 5th Street. The armed man forced the laundromat owner, who was behind the counter, to give him $2,000. As the robber left with the money, the laundromat owner grabbed a revolver and began to chase him. Ah, Police say the robber threw the money in the air and fled as the owner ran after him. Well, then why wouldn't... I mean, he got his money back. Why didn't he just gather the money instead of chasing the guy? A witness said, quote, I saw one of the guys running with a pack of money, said Angel Perez, the owner of a store next to the laundromat. When this guy ran, he told him three times, stop, stop, stop. 
The owner then fired five shots and struck the robber twice in the chest, according to officials. A 51-year-old woman who, who investigators say was an innocent bystander was also shot twice in the left hand. You know, those five-shot revolvers, they are not that accurate to begin with. And you've got a man running down a crowded street, and the guy shooting is running as well. That is just not a really good idea. When the knife-armed robber left the store, the laundromat owner should have called police. Yeah, no kidding. His decision to chase the man through urban streets with a drawn weapon was a huge mistake as was apparently emptying the gun in the, direction of the, in the direction of the suspect, critically wounded the fleeing man and also hitting an innocent bystander. You know, that was a really bad judgment. Folks, never shoot a fleeing felon. Once he runs away, you're not in danger anymore. And if you're not in danger, you are not availed the legal use of deadly force. Okay, it looks sounds to me like he was just pissed off because the guy tried to rob him or did rob him, and even though he got his money back, he he was just mad. He was out for revenge at that point. Hey, put the guy away. He's he's just as dangerous as the uh, criminal. At least the criminal didn't hurt anybody. All right, that's good stuff. Okay, what do we got next? Uh, we are still on BearingArms.com. Ah, oh, this might be relevant to what we're talking about today in the second and third segments. Are we heading towards a civil war? I remember back in uh, 2009, after Obama was inaugurated, people were talking about that. People on the far right were talking about, are we heading towards a civil war? Is he going to try and take all our guns and all that stuff? And that's when we... Uh, Went ahead and formed the Second Amendment march. This one is a little different twist. You got a picture of a bunch of people there. They've got AK-47s, AR-15s. Is bloodshed on the horizon? That's the question Stefan Lemons asked when he covered an open carry protest from several aligned left-wing activist groups in Phoenix, Arizona over the weekend. All right, so hey, what did it take to get the, you know, the far left to carry guns? He had to elect Donald Trump. Oh. Since you don't every day see groups of left-wingers toting semi-automatic rifles strolling down the sidewalk, I figured I would follow them and record this odd phenomenon via Facebook Live. Earlier, the spokesman spokeswoman told me that someone with the brown berets might talk with me. But she later came up as I was recording the group with my iPhone and told me the brown berets were keeping it zipped as well. They're not talking. She also asked me to stop filming, and he said no. Oh, look, they were rude to him. Oh, my, what a surprise. He said this, this is the sort of thing you would normally expect from right-wing militia types. Uh, being rude to him. Uh, you know, I disagree with that. Like their right-wing counterparts, most of these guys don't exactly reek of competence or experience, and that should be a concern to all of us. Wow. You know, I, I know so many open carry people and militia types, and 
That just doesn't ring true to me. I mean, I, I met the head of the Michigan militia last year at Second Amendment March, and the year before that, he seemed like a nice enough guy to me. He practiced good trigger control. That's all I can ask. You know, he's not trying to overthrow the government. You know, back in 2009, when we were organizing that Second Amendment march, we had all kinds of left-wing groups, Southern Poverty Law Center, mainstream Democrats, all telling us how dangerous we were and how if we held this march in Washington, D.C., that people were going to die. And, you know, this was an unarmed, peaceful march. We didn't even have guns. We just met at the foot of the Washington Monument. We had fun. We listened to speakers. We even did a little bit of singing, as I recall. But we had a great time. Nobody got hurt. Um, it, it was a wonderful time, and I made some lifelong friends there. So that is a good transition into the next segment, segments two and three. We will be speaking with Terry Stock, a good friend of mine and president of the Second Amendment March. Okay, folks, stay tuned. We will be right back with segment three of episode 20 of the Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel. My name is Phoenix Coriel, and you should join me this year on April 26th at the Lansing State Capitol as we have fun at the Second Amendment March. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Okay, folks, this is Skip Coriel with the Home Defense Show. We are back, and as promised, I have the president of the Second Amendment March, Terry Stock, on the line with me. Terry, welcome to the Home Defense Show. Hey, thanks, Skip. Thanks for having me. Um, Terry, you have been with me from the beginning. In fact, you may or may not know this, but you were the very first person that I recruited to be part of the Second Amendment March organization. Did you know that? I remember that. I do remember that. Well, you are just so darn special to me, you know, simply because you were there at the beginning. I mean, uh, I, I remember it was, when was it, like uh, 2009, about March 2009, right after Obama was uh, inaugurated, Everyone in the gun community was just scared to death. He's going to come and get our guns, and, you know, is there going to be civil war? I mean, all these things that were being, you know, thrown about. And I was writing a column for Michigan Coalition for Responsible Gun Owners at the time. So I titled it uh, Million Gun Owner March, and I made the statement, if someone will build me a website, then I will organize a march on Washington, D.C., of uh, – of gun owners, and I'll be darned if, boy, within 24 hours, I was getting hundreds of emails 
uh, from people who thought it was a great idea and all that. And I don't remember exactly how many people I had uh, volunteered to do a website, but it was probably 10 or 12 people said that, that they would do that. And I just started taking down, you know, resumes, so to speak, and the cream always rises to the top. And you were just an awesome web designer, and you built us the most incredible website, and it's still there today, secondamendmentmarch.com. So, hey, thank you very much for, for that, Terry. Um, why did you volunteer? Well, I think it's exactly um, what you suggested, that it was right after Obama's inauguration and there was a lot of uneasiness going on. Your article struck a chord with me. So um, I, I felt for a long time that I needed to get more involved, and and I thought, gosh, this pretty much just landed in my lap. I, I can design a website. I can build a website. You know, I just I just fired off the email to you and, you know, didn't think much about it after that. And then, lo and behold, I, I think you called me that afternoon, as a matter of fact. So, um, yeah, just, that just got the ball rolling, and, and I just got excited about the entire idea. I'm guessing, though, that you probably had no idea that you were going to end up as president of a national organization okay. or that it would cause so much work for you because, quite frankly, Terry, I mean, I'm the founder of the Second Amendment, Mark, but i got to tell you, um, you did a lot of work on that, not just with the website, but with everything. You are very highly organized. You know, I just tapped you for for all you were worth, and, you know, you put hundreds of hours in, as it, did I. Yeah, it actually yeah. became a full-time job. It really was for, for about a year, <laughs> as you know. that it, it was a full-time job. I think um, I stayed up for about 48 hours straight to get the website up and running initially because we were so excited about it. Um, and then it, it, you're right, it just sort of snowballed. It became more than um, just building a website. It became um, organizing the, the march in Washington, D.C., and I had never done that before. So that entailed a lot of travel back and forth to meet with the Park Service and organizing volunteers across all 50 states, uh, recruiting other people, fundraising. So it, it ran the gamut. There was... There's a lot of different activities involved in that. Yeah, there sure was. But, yeah, there was just so much work. I, it was a full-time job for, for me as well. I mean, we started in like that March. It was February, March time frame of 2009, and uh, the actual March was April 19th, I think, in 2010. So you and I were working at it for about 14 months, and it, it really was full-time. You know, I had two businesses. I had Midwest Tactical Training, then I had White Feather Press. Basically, I put them on hold so that we could organize this march, and I didn't bring in a whole lot of money at all for over a year. You know, fortunately, I was married to an engineer, and, you know, my wife, Sarah, um, she pretty much uh, pulled all the weight in the family financially for that year. But, you know, I don't think either one of us really knew what we were getting into, because it, it was just huge, and I, I remember there was just so much that we, challenges that we ran across that personally I didn't think we'd have, uh, be challenged with, you know, number one was like money, it's like, 
wow, how much, I, I never even thought about money. And, and that's the kind of person I am. I, I don't think about money. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that would explain my poverty. But, but uh, <laughs> you know, it must have cost us close to six figures to do that march. Do you, you remember what the numbers were? Oh, gosh. I, I'm sure it was close. I remember setting up, uh, do you remember doing the money bomb? Where we put the yeah, yeah. on the site and yeah, we and we solicited donations from across the country. I I want to say we raised about I, I want to say it was over thirty thousand dollars within six months. Um, but I I can't remember off the top of my head. It was a boatload of money that that we ended up spending on that march. You're right. It was quite a bit, and uh, it wasn't just the march on Washington D.C. We did a whole bunch of we call them Second Amendment town hall meetings where, mm-hmm. you know, and I made the statement, you know, you get together, you know, five people in a barn and I'll go talk to them. And I'll be there. Right, right, right. I remember you did a lot of those. Yeah, you you spent a lot of time traveling and, and um, there was a lot of expense out of your own pocket, too. So uh, Yeah, well, yeah, you know, that, was, that, that was one of the things that, that I was concerned about, Terry, is, my reputation is important to me, and uh, I, I was always afraid that people are going to think that I'm doing this for profit or that I'm taking some of the money. So I was always very, very careful about, you know, the money goes in the can and I give it to somebody else, and I would pay my own gas, I would pay all my own way and, and, and just everything because I wanted to make sure that I didn't benefit, um, you know, financially from that. But, you know, i got to tell you, the biggest benefit that I got from the Second Amendment march, you know, all that work that we did, it was the people that I met and the friends that I made and that I, that I still have. I mean, there was you and, and, and Brian, uh, Brian Jeffs, uh, Nicole yeah. Fisher. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it was just awesome, you know, that we're still friends. And, right. Uh, what else did we do? We, had, we did Second Amendment Town Hall meetings, and I can't tell you how many of those that we did. For people listening, Second Amendment Town Hall meetings, uh, you know, people could just uh, send an email or call up and say, yeah, we'll go ahead, we'll do a fundraiser for you, and then I would go speak at the event, and, you know, I would sell my, my books and, you know, donate that money to uh, the march, and we did T-shirts and, and things mm-hmm. uh, of that nature. As mm-hmm. as well, uh, you did the design on the T-shirts that you and Brian, I think, handled most of that stuff. That was actually, um, yeah, that, that was another aspect of it that that really was something new to me was selecting and and managing different vendors and negotiating contracts and, and prices for different things. So I I managed the um, the outsourcing of the T-shirts, but the design actually came from a um, shop out in, I want to say they're in Montana, I think it was Rocky Fort Graphics, um, and they had a designer in-house, and they heard about the march, and uh, they submitted oh, probably six or seven different designs for us to choose from, and they were really fantastic designs. We were very, very lucky to have them uh, donate their services for that. You know, we did other things as well. We also, we did state rallies as, mm-hmm. as well. Let me see, I think I spoke in... Arkansas, I spoke in Kentucky, Ohio, Michigan, um, obviously, uh, I, I forget where else. It's It's been, 
what, uh, seven, eight years now, yeah. you know, since, since we did that. Now we pretty much stick around home in Michigan and, uh, you know, let the NRA and all these other, you know, USCCA do all the uh, heavy lifting. But, you know, I, I tell you, it was just one of the most fun things that I've ever done in my life, even though it was a lot of work. It was just a lot of fun, and, and i, I got to tell you, I'd like to say if I knew how much work it was going to be ahead of time, I would have done it, but I'm not sure that I would have done it. You know, cause <laughs> that, was, that was a lot of work, and, you know, we got done with that after over a year, and then uh, I was totally exhausted, and my wife was totally exhausted because she, you know, pretty much, you know, uh, took care of everything else while I was mm -hmm. doing this, and then people said, oh, I can't wait till next year. Yeah, it almost felt like the end of a race, right? It felt like, uh, yeah. you know, almost like somebody who was completing their, their thesis or something, and then we came to the end of it, and it was like, well, now what? And uh, I remember, you know, six months afterward, Brian and, and Dan and uh, a couple other people said, well, we're going to start planning for, for another one, and I think you and I just looked at each other and said, oh, we need a break. Yeah. Let's, let's focus on Michigan. Yeah, it, it was. It was exhausting, but fun. Definitely fun. And I learned so yeah. much from that. I, you know, there were many times when I thought, oh, "Gosh, I've learned so much between the vendor management and negotiating and dealing with the park service, um, different rules and regulations and paperwork and organizing and all kinds of stuff." I thought, you know, somebody needs to write a book about this. That crossed my mind, and then that sounded exhausting. So, um, <laughs> we we got hundreds of emails. I don't know if you remember that either, but we had um, we had that weekly newsletter, and we I think we had over six thousand subscribers to that at one point, and we had people from from every state um, involved in Second Amendment March. You know, do you remember some of the emails that we used to get? Many of them, many many of them were very very positive, and many of them were not as positive. Um, but but even that was an eye opener, you know, dealing with different people and and sometimes the hate mail that you get. Yeah, that's for sure. And and we had to answer all of those emails too. I mean, just right. that alone took a lot of time, lots and lots of time. <laughs> when I think of it, think of Second Amendment March, all the organizing, the work that we did. I think of uh, boot camp. You know, I was in Marine Corps boot camp. It's the kind of thing where. I'm really glad I did it, but I'm equally glad that I never have to do it again. You know, that kind of a deal. Because exactly. I, I was exhausted, you know. And You mentioned it's like getting to the end of a marathon. You know, I wonder if, it, if it's kind of like, you know, childbirth, too. I mean, the whole carrying a baby inside you for nine months and, you know, towards the end, it's like, you know, you, you weigh too much, you're uncomfortable, your legs are all swollen up, and... It's like, and then all the pain of labor and delivery, and then right after that, you know, have your husband say, hey, let's do that again. You know, <laughs> you just, you just kind of, you know, beat them to death. Uh, we are, we're just out of time for this segment. Uh, folks, we are speaking with Terry Stock, president of the Second Amendment March. We are going to come back on the other side here with, with segment three. We'll be talking some more, just a good, fun talk, and then we'll talk some, uh, some more about the, uh, April 26th, March, here in Lansing, uh, in Michigan. 
Folks, don't go anywhere. We will be right back with the Home Defense Show. Welcome to the Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel. This is Skip's wife, Sarah. Stay tuned for more as we discuss new ways to protect ourselves and our families. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Okay, folks, we're back. Segment 3 on Episode 20 of the Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel. I'm your host, and we are speaking with the president of the Second Amendment March, Terry Stock. Terry, uh, we had a good time in the second segment. We're going to talk some more about some of the challenges that we faced on doing a national march at the uh, Washington Monument there, and that was a huge, huge undertaking. And one of the things that was so challenging for us was raising money for something like this, something that had never been done before, that people thought, oh, that can't be done, or it's not a good idea, or what if you fail? I felt like people were waiting to uh, see if it was going to succeed before they jumped on on board the, the wagon to get with us. Did you ever get that feeling? I definitely got that feeling. You're right. It, it's almost like they were waiting for um, one of the large gun groups, gun rights groups, to come on board or to get national attention, something like that. I think they were waiting for, um, you know, one of the network personalities on on TV, on one of the news shows on TV to pick that up, like Fox News or something, and that's the perception that I had as well. I think, too, that um, also that, that's when the economy really started taking a downturn, and, and people were very careful with their money, so they wanted to see first where this was going. They, they may have believed in the cause, but they were really being careful with their dollars at that time. We really didn't get any large donations until... 2010 SHOT Show, and we're talking about just, what, like three months before uh, the mm-hmm. actual march itself, and we still didn't have the money um, to do the march, and I had been uh, doing interviews with Mark Walters from Armed American Radio. I think the first interview that we did with them was like April of 2009, and his show, Armed American Radio, now it's it's on, on about 265 um, outlets now. But back then, I think he was only like two months old. We kind of got in the ground floor on Armed American Radio, and that really that helped out quite a bit. Certainly Tom Gresham from Gun Talk, when he interviewed me, we had been, this was like within a week after I announced this and you had made the website, I was getting all kinds of media uh, invitations, 
and I would just do them, do them all. Some were local, some were regional, and uh, but I got this one guy named Tom Gresham. You know, I had a, a show called Gun Talk, and I was so busy I didn't have time to do any research on it at all. And I just figured, no, it's some guy in his basement doing a podcast. And so five minutes before the show is supposed to go on, I just did a Google search, on, and I find out, oh, my gosh, this guy's on, like, 250 uh, radio stations nationwide. And I had, like, two minutes to prepare. And no I pressure. Just, no, no pressure at all, but I just kind of winged it. Fortunately, he was a really nice guy and easy to talk to. You know, he was excited. And, uh, you know, he, he came out and, and helped us out in those initial months uh, of organizing the march, helping get the, the word out. But there were a lot of people like that. USCCA, they were uh, the biggest donor. Uh, mm -hmm. And USCCA, they were just a baby at that time. Uh, Tim Schmidt, um, you know, God bless that guy. You know, his organization had just started. I think it was less than a year old. And he just came on board. I remember when, when we went to the SHOT Show, or no, I was I was speaking with him on the phone, and he, uh, I was just talking to him about it on the phone, and I didn't expect anything because no one had really given us any large donations up till then. And over on, right on the phone, he says, yeah, okay, um, come to the SHOT Show, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you a check. And... Uh, it was a five-figure check um, for the, the Second Amendment March, and that really was the seed money that we could use, you know, to actually book things, you know, to, to rent the stage and do all of those things that had to be done. You know, USCCA helped out a lot. Who, who else helped? Who are you remembering, Terry? Uh, oh, there was USCCA, LuckyGunner.com. Um... Oh, yeah, the, the ammo place, LuckyGunner.com. Gun owners of GOA. Um, yep, GOA. Yeah, Larry Pratt. And, and what they did for us is they paid for all of the publicists, because we didn't have a publicist. Uh, they're really mm -hmm. quite expensive. We probably did probably about 200 radio interviews, mostly radio, in that two months leading up to the march. And that was all paid for by Gun Owners of America. So God bless Larry Pratt. That's right. All of That's uh, right. Um, and yeah. uh, you guys also did a couple of, I know you did a um, television interview with Larry Pratt, and I uh, did a television interview. Um, yeah. It was right after the march. Yep. So that, that was kind of fun. We were doing all the TV interviews. And on site, there were a lot of radio stations there on site doing interviews. I remember one interview with Al Jazeera. And yes. You know, when I think of Al Jazeera, I think of terrorists. I, I just, I just do. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's what I was thinking, you know. And when they called and they wanted to do that, my, my first thought was, gosh, should I do this? You know, is this safe? Why do they want to talk to me? I, I don't understand. And I was really thrown off by what to expect. And I go over to do that interview, and it's not some guy in a turban you know, with an AK-47, it, it was this British guy in a three-piece suit, you uh -huh. know, with that cute little British accent, and they had the cameraman and everything was all set up. They were so polite to me. And and then later that day, after the march, I, I did that, that one with uh, Chris Matthews on Hardball, and, mm -hmm. and, I, and I walked away thinking, wow, 
You know, Al Jazeera is so much nicer than Chris Matthews. <laughs> but that's exactly the way that it was. I remember that, too, and I, and I don't think I was as um, thrown off by Al Jazeera Network as I was by the, do you remember the um, snipers, the uh, guards that were on the, the roof snipers, of the building? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Snipers on the roof across the road. Yeah, we were all kind of laughing about that. I mean, to have your own government up on the roofs of buildings, you know, have, with rifles pointed at you. Right. They, they deemed you a, a massive threat to the security of the, of the government. That blew me away. I did, you did an interview after the show. Um, who, did, who did you interview with? Oh, my gosh. Uh, that was Ed Schultz. On, uh, oh, yeah, on... the other anti-gun guy. Yeah, on MSNBC, right, right. And that was that was yeah. fun. Did you like it? Uh, um, I <laughs> I will I will withhold comment. You know, I really now when I watch interviews, news interviews on TV, I really give those people a lot of credit because it's a lot more difficult than it looks. They stick you in this dark room by yourself um, with a camera pointed at you. You've got a, a, an earpiece in your ear. You don't have the people right in front of you, so it's it's very difficult to, uh, and you can't see them, so it's very difficult to sometimes hear what they're saying, and um, yeah, it's 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 a lot more different than people realize. So I, I give people who interview on television a lot of credit now. I was doing uh, an NPR interview on site at the march, a radio interview, and uh, right as I'm answering, Nick was, you know, I had my kids there. Uh, just like you did, and um, I want to say my younger son, he must have been about four years old at the time. He must have been four at the time. So I'm answering, and just as I'm answering, he comes up and tugs on my sleeve and says, Mom, I have to use the bathroom. I have to go potty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got a story for you. I don't think I've ever told you this. I was driving through Nebraska. This was, you know, during the uh, the months leading up to the march. I finally got an interview with Tamman Company from NRA. You know, I was there with my family in a minivan driving through Nebraska. We're going in and out of cell zones. You know, when you get that type of an interview, you don't just cancel it because I figured, you know, if I cancel it or try and reschedule it, it's not going to happen. It was at a certain time, so I drove to a town where that had cell service. I waited there, and let, you know, I made Sarah and the kids wait out in the car. And I went inside this Pizza Hut, thinking, you know what? I'll just sit down here and I'll just do the interview inside the the Pizza Hut. I'll order a pizza, and maybe nobody will notice. <laughs> but uh, it didn't it didn't work out. I went in there, and it was it was too noisy. And so I thought, well, where can I go? I can't go out to the van. The kids won't be quiet. So I went into the bathroom, and I got in one of the bathroom stalls. You know, Cam calls up, and we're doing the interview. And uh, I remember him saying, are you uh, on a cell phone or something? It, it, there's a little bit of an echo, you know. <laughs> Did you admit to that? No, I'm not, I'm not going to tell him that I'm in a bathroom stall while I'm on the <laughs> radio. Uh, and, and then someone flushed the toilet. <laughs> I suppose I got picked up on the show, but that's my, my NRA radio uh, story. There was just lots of fun stuff that we did like that. Now, we've got 
the, the Lansing State Capitol March coming up. Uh, go ahead and tell our listeners about what's happening uh, with that, Jerry. This year it's being held on Wednesday, April 26th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and it's right there on the Capitol steps. Um, we're expecting a, a pretty good turnout there. We always have a tent out there, and we have um, different representatives from different gun rights organizations. We have typically some vendors out there. And a new feature that we have that we just started last year and, and will continue this year is the attorneys panel where you can ask uh, different attorneys from the area um, your Second Amendment questions, your legal questions, and, and get some answers on that. Who do we have speaking uh, this year? This year we have a gentleman by the name of Marcus Allen Weldon. He's a Detroit native, and uh, he's very active in the gun rights community. So we're very excited to have him speaking for us this year, as well as Lieutenant Governor Brian Kelly. Uh, I remember the first time I met him, he called me up, and I, at the time I was uh, State Director for Technology United Sportsmen of Michigan, and he called me up, and he wanted to meet. So I, I, I met with him, and he was looking for an endorsement as a state representative from the Ted Nugent organization. So it, he he was a banker from Ionia County, just a, a non-celebrity guy, okay? He gives me a spiel, took about 25 minutes long, and then he got done, and he asked me, and he says, well, do you think you'd be willing to, uh, you know, endorse me uh, for state rep? And I said, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd love to do that. I, I like your platform. You're a smart guy. Um, I like you. And and the look on his face was like, really? And that's that's what he said. He said, really? You will? <laughs> I said, yeah. I will. <laughs> he said, you are the first organization to endorse me for state rep. And, you know, awesome. like a smart thing for me. Because I didn't know if he was going to be Lieutenant Governor. I just think he was a sharp guy, and, and I liked his uh, politics. But, but, Terry, we are just about out of time here uh, for Segment 3. Tell us, where can people go to get more information on the Second Amendment March? You can look for us on Facebook if you search for Second Amendment March. You can also find us at our website at 2amarch.com. Terry, thank you very much for being with us on the show. I appreciate your time, not just for this interview, but for the months and years of service that you've given to the Second Amendment community over the past uh, nine years or so. You've just been awesome. You're a good friend, and uh, I appreciate you very much, Terry. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Dan. We will be right back with Segment 4, and we'll do a wrap-up, and we'll talk more about the Second Amendment march and some more fun stories that you can't get anywhere except here on the Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel. My name is Cedric Coriel. Welcome to the Home Defense Show with my dad, Skip Coriel. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? and what is the best place to go for the care that is needed. We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. 
Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Home Defense Show. I'm your host, Skip Coriel. That was a wonderful time with Terry Stock. I got to tell you, man, that just brought back so many fond memories. That 15 months or so when we were organizing the Second Amendment March was the highlight uh, of the, the last 10 years of my life. It was just awesome. The only thing better is, you know, getting married and having kids with a woman that you love. It was just awesome, and I don't regret any of that. There are so many stories, so many fond memories. I learned so much. God bless Mark Walters from Armed American Radio. He really was my mentor through this uh, whole thing as far as getting to know the people in the Second Amendment community. Because Mark is the opposite of me. I'm an introvert. Uh, I don't like to talk in front of groups or anything like that. Mark doesn't even need a group to talk to. He probably talks to himself uh, nonstop. Uh, You just give him a microphone and he just takes right off. But I'm not like that. So Mark was able to introduce me to uh, a lot of the big people in the Second Amendment industry, the firearms industry. So I want to thank uh, Mark for that. And he's a good friend. I did dedicate about 15 months of my life solid to Second Amendment March. But I got more than just friends out of that. I mean, I got a lot of authors. You know that I have a company called White Feather Press. I met a lot of people over the course of the Second Amendment march that I ended up signing on as authors. It was just coincidence, but, you know, fate, destiny, you know, whatever you want to call it. But Mark Walters is one of my authors. And Mark Walters, he introduced me to Kathy Jackson who is also one of my authors, the author of The Cornered Cat, The Woman's Guide to Concealed Carry, um, who is also a friend. And Mark introduced me to Rob Pincus from Ice Training and Personal Defense Network. Um, Awesome trainer, incredibly knowledgeable. He co-authored a book with Mark called Lessons from Unarmed America. Doug Giles, um, he interviewed me. He had a a podcast that he was doing during the Second Amendment March, and he interviewed me, and I remember that interview well because I'm on my cell phone, I'm in my car, and Doug is just a wild and crazy guy. He's totally off the wall. I remember I wasn't ready for his energy because I'm kind of a subdued kind of guy anyways, and I I, I still wish I had uh, copies, a copy of this interview that he did because it just blew me away. He come on the air, he, he introed me, and he played a clip of a helicopter in the background. And he, he said something like, Skip, watch out for the black helicopters. Uh, they're above you right now. They're listening to everything that you say. And I remember <laughs> it sounded so real to me that I leaned my head out the window and I looked straight up, and I'm looking for black helicopters. I didn't say that on the air, but that's just uh, the backstory on the Doug Giles interview, but but Doug, you know, God bless his perspective. He's a he's a good Christian man, but he's different. He is just flat out different. 
You know, he wrote Raising Righteous and Rowdy Girls, Raising Boys Feminists Will Hate. Um, he wrote uh, Sandy Hook Massacre. He wrote Pussification, The Feminization of the American Male. And then he did the coloring book after that. So Doug Giles is the number one author for White Feather Press. And he came to us uh, by virtue of the Second Amendment March. Uh, we also have George Hill. George Hill, the Mad Ogre, Army veteran. He writes zombie apocalypse novels. And I met him at the SHOT Show while we were doing the Second Amendment March. Ken Blanchard, uh, a.k.a. Black Man with a Gun. I met him during the Second Amendment March. He was doing an interview uh, with me about that on his Urban Shooter podcast. He's a great friend. His book, uh, Black Man with a Gun, uh, was published by White Feather Press as well. Matt Kenovi, Matt Kenovi from The Gun Show down in Springfield, Missouri. He interviewed me during Second Amendment March, and he is an awesome trainer. Um, I ended up publishing a book with him called Real Secrets to Home and Personal Defense. Th- that's a great book on how to, how to harden your home against crime. Nikki Gozer um, wrote a book called Denied a Chance. I spoke with her at the state rally down in Little Rock, Arkansas. That was the first time I heard her story of how her husband was brutally murdered right in front of her in a pistol-free zone, and she worked hard uh, with the legislature to get that change down there in the state of Tennessee. So uh, also Zachary Hill. Zachary Hill was George Hill's brother. Uh, also an Army vet. Um, Zachary died last year, but not before writing some incredible books. And uh, I still uh, continue to publish his books as well. A very talented uh, author. And, you know, God rest his soul. Uh, he, I'm proud to have him as a uh, White Feather Press author. Another author, Brian Jeffs. He's on our board of directors for Second Amendment March. He was with us from the very beginning. He wrote a book called My Parents Open Carry, a children's book on open carry. Uh, He co-authored that with Nathan Nephew, um, who is now treasurer for Second Amendment March. That's a great book as well. So, you know, it's just amazing how in your life you do one thing, and it has a ripple effect. You know, all those things just feed on each other. You, Everything in life, it's about who you know. So I just met all of these people, and they came into my life, they changed my life, and they, they did good things, you know, via the Second Amendment march. Um, there were other people. I remember uh, Dan White from Ohioans for Concealed Carry. He worked very hard. Probably the best Second Amendment town hall meeting we ever had was down at their OFCC annual picnic. Uh, and that's still on YouTube, if you want to look that up. Robert Chrysler, uh, then from the state of New Jersey, now lives in Pennsylvania, but he helped us out quite a bit. I remember traveling to SHOT Show um, with Robert, and he uh, did a lot of good things for us as well. When I think of Robert Chrysler, I think of barbecued ribs um, at the SHOT Show, because I remember... You know, we were on a really tight budget, and so I uh, I was watching every penny that we were spending. So I was eating at McDonald's. I'd get McDonald's takeout 
because you know food at the, when you're out traveling, especially in Las Vegas, is very expensive. And so I was eating at McDonald's every single meal, and Robert said, "You have to have one good meal while you're here." I think we were at the Sands Expo or something like that. So, so I said, "Okay, fine. We'll have one good meal." We went out, and I got uh, the cheapest thing on the menu, which was like barbecued ribs. I saved the leftovers, and I. He thought it was funny that I took this half a rack of ribs, and I stuck them in the hotel room sink in ice. And then I ate them the following morning for breakfast so that we could save money uh, for the, the Second Amendment march. I met Stuart Rhodes, the founder of Oath Keepers, also, uh, and Sheriff Richard Mack, um, super-duper guy, Tim Smith from USCCA, obviously, um, a, a big player with the Second Amendment march. It was just it was just awesome. Oh, one of the speakers, Man Cow Muller. Man Cow, that guy is just, he is so funny. I got to uh, pick him up at the airport and, you know, in, in Washington, D.C., and just ride around with him. And, and we were with Larry and Nancy Jackson in their, their big old truck or Suburban or whatever it was, and we're driving around Washington, D.C., and Mancow Muller is, is sitting right next to me in the back seat, and we got lost. And we ended up in this really bad part of town in Washington, D.C. And everyone was just kind of nervous because we were disarmed. We didn't have any guns because it it's illegal. And Mancow Muller, he just, Mancow's got this way of just kind of breaking the ice and uh, making people laugh. And, <laughs> you know, we're, we're commenting about what's going on outside us. And then out of nowhere, Mancow, he says, Hey, uh, you guys want to go ahead and pull over? Uh, you know, I, I'm out of drugs. You need to buy some drugs here. And, and we just exploded in laughter. And that's the defining characteristic of Mancow is he makes people laugh in very tense situations. And he was a really good speaker uh, at the march as well. Oh, boy. So fond memories. Remember April 26, Lansing State Capitol. It's an it's an open carry rally, so you know you're more than welcome to to show up there. You know, bring your favorite gun, uh, carry it safely. If you got an AR-15 or whatever, keep it slung. Anything that you can do legally, feel free to do. I'll be carrying a pistol. I, I love a good open carry rally. Uh, that's nice and safe, and this is certainly one of those. And I look forward to listening to all the speakers. I will be there, and I will have uh, a table in, inside the big tent. Look for me in the big tent. I'll have a couple of tables there with all my books there. I'll be uh, getting to know people again, uh, getting caught up, signing books. Uh, it's one of the places where you can go, and you can buy one of my books for 10 bucks instead of you know, $16.95 plus shipping on Amazon. So it's an opportunity. Um, speaking of my writing, two days ago... I I started actively writing The Blind Man's Rage, and that is uh, the fourth book in the God Virus Apocalyptic series. And it's been, what, a year and a half, and people are upset with me because I haven't finished that book. But I tell you, it's not easy finishing a book. And I was waiting, I'm just thinking, thinking, for every hour that I write, I probably have to think about 20 hours about what I'm going to be writing. So don't get upset with me, folks. 
it is uh, it's a difficult process, but one that I enjoy very, very much. Now, the God Virus series, the first book is The God Virus, then The Shadow Militia, and then The Saracen Tide. The fourth one that I'm working on right now is called The Blind Man's Rage. And I'm going to give you a special treat. Anyone who's read my books knows the character Sammy Thurmond is a really bizarre Silence of the Lambs kind of a guy. And he becomes a major character in this fourth novel. So I'm going to read you the first sentence, the first time anyone's heard this, the first sentence to The Blind Man's Rage, and you can expect that to be out uh, by this fall. Chapter 1, The Blind Man's Rage. It had been several days since Sammy Thurman had watched in awe as the mighty Mackinac Bridge had collapsed into the deep waters of the Great Lakes. And that is it, folks. That is the uh, first sentence to The Blind Man's Rage. Again, folks, please be patient with me. I will get it done, and I will get it out by this fall so you can find out or what happens to the blind man, because this guy deserves to die. You know, I can't wait to kill this guy. He is such a terrible, terrible person. We are out of time, but remember, go to the Second Amendment March, secondamendmentmarch.com or 2amarch.com. April 26, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., I want to see you at the Second Amendment March. This is Skip Coriel with the Home Defense Show. We are signing off until next week. Next week we'll have only God knows what, but it'll be fun, and you'll enjoy it. So until next week, God bless you all. Protect your families, protect your homes, protect your community. Stay alert, stay alive. Always be on heightened yellow alert. God bless you, and God bless America. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world.